1: deep analysis of current world events from somewhere in the desert between area 51 and roswell blasting across the planet the manticore network proudly presents fairy tales because the truth will set you free headline edition july 8 1947 to everyone around the world and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas, Alternative Media for Discerning Minds. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, make yourself at home. I want to thank all our members. As always, you are keeping Veritas alive. Today's special guest is someone you heard on Veritas just a few months ago. Immediately after our interview, he cast a moral vote, saying no to nuclear weapons. He was arrested and imprisoned for 100 days. Some sit behind a keyboard and simply write or talk. A very few actually do something about what they believe in. And my guest tonight does just that. Dr. Richard Sauter is back. And will discuss his new book, The Richard Sauter Briefing, which discusses everything that is happening in our world and what we can do about it. Dr. Richard Souter will be with us shortly. To listen to the complete version of this and all our past and future shows, become a member. You will receive immediate access to all our shows. And remember Veritas survives under voluntary subscriptions only. We have no sponsors, which means no censorship. So just head on over to our website, veritasshow.com, click on subscribe, and take Veritas with you. And the fall season is already here, and the winter is coming. You know what that means. Don't be caught off guard. Get your MMS right from us, whether you live in the United States or abroad. And if you buy health supplements anywhere, you're paying too much. Take a look at the new source featured on our website and compare. You can buy as many products as you need, and they have thousands of them, and only pay $5.95 for shipping, and you get a 30-day return policy. Check them out. And if you're new to the show or have been around for a while, wouldn't it be great to take Veritas with you wherever you are, even if there's no internet? To Listen without having to download? That's what you do when you buy our futuristic 8GB brushed metal case USB drive containing all of Season 1 and a lot of bonus material. All you need to do is plug your USB drive to your computer, open your favorite audio application, and all the shows for Season 1 will be there for you. Coming soon, Season 2. Go to the Veritas store for more information and to order. And this week, I have a lot of important news to share with you. Did you know that Zachariah Sitchin passed away on October the 9th? Neither did I. No one in my circle knew about it. As far as I know, even coast-to-coast AM had not announced his passing either. Let me read a statement issued by his family. Quote, We regret to inform you that Zachariah Sitchin passed away on the morning of October the 9th. A small private family funeral was held the next day. The family asks that you respect its privacy during this difficult time and refrain from contacting family members directly. Instead. To offer tributes to Mr. Sitchin or to contact those handling his affairs, please email at at sitchin.com or send a letter to P.O. Box 577, New York, New York, 10185. We appreciate the support that you have given over the years. Please continue to monitor this website, sitchin.com, for further updates." As an open-minded skeptic, I appreciate the fact that Zachariah Sitchin opened my mind and motivated me to look outside the box. And for that, and all his work, I thank him. He paved the way for us to know the truth about our past. He believed in his work until the day he departed. What I find interesting is how the media did not report this at all. And it's almost 20 days since his passing. Not to engage in any conspiracy theory, but... Was someone preventing people from gravitating toward his work now that is no longer with us? I was privileged to have been able to conduct his very last interview. He had told me offline that he wished to conduct another one in the future, but asked me to give him some time. Just as I was about to call him again, someone contacted me with the sad news. Here's a portion of that interview, which you can listen to in its entirety, If you're a Veritas member, pay attention to his last words. Could he have been telling us something? You decide. And here's a preview of a very exclusive appearance on the Veritas show by famous researcher and author, Sakariah Sitchin. Sakariah, we are captives of our current technology what if you had been alive 100 or more years ago and were to attempt to translate the tablets and saw that it's known what it's known today as an astronaut saluting a rocket 100 years ago there weren't any astronauts or rockets what would you have said
0: it's i would have said i i myself would have said it's a very lar- they are saluting a very large pencil
1: it, it, have your research changed with the advent of technology since you started. In other words, can you say now, well, really what I meant to say back in 1972 was, for example, the internet or something new. Has anything of that changed?
0: Frankly, when I started to write, it was, uh, I would use the uh, memory chips, um, that the best I could do. Now, uh, we, we probably we, we would say, uh, what... Uh, Microchip. Uh, microchips. Microchips. Uh, because they get smaller and smaller and, 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 and they can uh, store uh, more and more information. We're so, in general, we're
1: so arrogant in the modern civilization to think that we know it all. We're trying to build a better mousetrap, so, so to speak. And when we look back at, again, going to Baalbek and see the structures and, and the way they were moved and the weight. Something happened where that knowledge was there. Obviously, they were more advanced than we are today. What happened to that knowledge? Who took it? Who who disappeared that knowledge?
0: Well, they left. Uh, whether uh, uh, happy or disgusted, <laughs> uh, you you can have your choice of this text or that text. Uh, somewhere happy with mankind, and somewhere very. Uh, disgusted with the way we turned out Uh, and um, and they promised to come back and that's where all the prophecies about uh, uh, the end of days and armageddon come come into play so uh, uh, we'll see
1: they left and they took the instruction manuals with them didn't they
0: in the end we'll find out that that the the real uh, storage place is dna
1: well, speaking of electronics devices, if, God forbid, there's a nuclear exchange in today's world, we, we keep our knowledge and our data in paper, books, in computers, in, in silicone chips, etc. But back then, there may have been nuclear uh, weapons detonated during that time, but because they were left on, on clay tablets... We're lucky to have that knowledge today. Do you think that that may repeat itself? Oh, that,
0: that, that is a point that I used to make at the beginning of, of my talking about my books, uh, when, when I said that uh, uh, the Sumerians wrote on, on clay tablets, uh, people would uh, the, the first reaction would be oh they were that primitive. So I would bring with me right. I would bring with me to the lecture a clay tablet you know small enough to hold to hold it my hand and uh, hold it up in one hand and in the other hand I would hold up one of my books and I say uh, to the people which one of these do you think will last another six thousand years?
1: Is it true that in that area of the world, and I hear this again and again, there are areas completely infertile and you could even see glass, glass sand on the floor. Uh, Can we estimate that a nuclear device was exploded there at one point?
0: Uh, Where uh, there's no doubt a nuclear explosion had taken place.
1: In your research, have you found why or what happened? Why was it caused?
0: Yeah, yeah, it was a quarrel among themselves.
1: Sakurai, this is something that you don't hear that much, but many people don't know that NASA astronomers have found this 10th planet in our solar, 12th planet in our solar system and are so sure about it that the only thing left is to name it. Is this Nibiru and why isn't this information more public?
0: Ask the government. I suppose the question is what would be the consequences if it's admitted
1: after the interview was over I joke with him offline and I said I wish I could have a front row seat sitting next to him come 2012 he certainly has the front row seat and the better vantage point now rest in peace Zachariah and thank you for your life's work and I just heard from Paula Harris that a crucial person to this show has fallen into a coma and may be departing soon. I'm referring to a brave man. I'm referring to Milton Torres. If you have listened to this show from the beginning, you know that unbeknownst to him, he was the person indirectly responsible for the birth of this show. If you've never listened to that interview, I encourage you to do so. With Milton Torres, is how it all began for Veritas. I just spoke to Jeffrey, his son, this morning. I would like to share our short conversation with you. Hello? Hello, is this Jeffrey? Yes. Jeffrey, hello. This is Mel Fabregas from The Veritas Show, a friend with uh, Paula Harris. Yes, yes. How you doing? I'm doing great. I just got off the phone with her, and I uh, just wanted to call you and let you know that... Uh, your father is in our thoughts he he is responsible for the existence of our show and for thousands of people listening to us every week
3: oh I do appreciate it. yeah I'm actually uh, you know um, he's still in and out of consciousness so we don't know what what's happening but uh, um, I will be working on a biography uh, for him um, including some unseen photos and some other stuff I got some uh, interesting stories of his that, that I've compiled together. So, if anybody would be interested, I'll be working on that in the near future. Uh, what
1: happened? A- what 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 is his current condition? And what happened, Jeffrey?
3: Um, well, what happened was uh, he um, um, went in for back surgery about six months ago, and uh, the anesthesia uh, accelerated. Uh, he had some some minor dementia, some minor you know. Problems associated with his age and diabetes, and and after the uh, surgery, he um, basically took a real turn for the worst. He lost his ability to walk, um, and uh, he needed uh, assisted living. So uh, from there, he was he returned home with with uh, health care provider at home, along with his step uh, my stepmother, my my sec- his, his 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 wife, and and uh, she's been kind of looking out for him, but. Uh, um, he's had a series of uh, episodes where he had to go back into rehab a couple of times and uh, night before last uh, she put him to bed about 7.30 uh, along with my brother and uh, he um, went to bed and, and about 2 o'clock in the morning he was vomiting and um, unconscious when she found him he apparently his sugar went down to about 25 because of his diabetes and that was associated with Agent Orange from uh, Vietnam he, he was... Uh, hundred uh, percent combat disabled for Vietnam and um, anyhow so, so it just uh, he was out of con- he was in comatose called fire rescue and they, they went out and they um, uh, couldn't get him revived and they put him into the hospital and they thought he had suffered a stroke but we're not really sure what what the uh, the um, uh, outcome is it doesn't look like a stroke but we're not sure exactly what it is.
1: I just, I just want to let you know, and this is probably you not know, the, the right time to talk about this, mm-hmm. but uh, because of your father, this show, the Veritas show exists, and uh, after Paula uh, called me this morning and let me know what was happening, I just uh, felt compelled to call you, and I will pass this along to everybody so that huh. uh, more people around the world can think of your father, and hopefully, uh, if, if we can, help as much as we can so he can uh, come back but he was yeah. a great man. I'm not speaking in past tense here. I just wanted yeah. to let you know from me that uh, because of him, he was a catalyst for for what we're doing, and we're changing people's lives because of uh, that moment in November of 2008 when he finally broke the news that he was able to disclose what he had withheld for 50 years.
3: Yeah, I, I do appreciate it, and it meant a lot to him that uh, uh, when we went to the X Conference, he, he really felt... Um, relieved to, to let the story out, and, and he also was happy that, you know, that, that he, you know, addressed this before, you know, and, and he carried this load for a long time, and I, I know that it uh, means a lot to him to get your support and, and the support of, you know, everyone, so, um, you know, he's, you know, in my prayers, and I'm sure everybody else's, and, you know, like I said, we're, we're all, you know, trying to do the best we can, and hopefully, you um, um, Will weather the storm. And my biggest concern is that if he does pass, he goes comfortably and without pain. And, uh, you know, I, I love him dearly. He's impacted a lot of lives, including mine. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. But I, I will keep in touch with Paula and, and uh, you feel free to call me uh, anytime. Um, you know, we should have more direction as to where things are going within the next day or so. Um, he just had some echocardiogram work done and. They're doing some other stuff, so we don't know exactly um, where he's going or what what's happening. But uh, it, it's it's on and off, and it's been a roller coaster ride.
1: With your permission, I'd like to uh, air this uh, uh, on this week's show. Is that okay with you?
3: Absolutely, absolutely. I do appreciate it.
1: Would you like to say a few words to the world who's listening?
3: Well, the the only thing I would say is that um, you know uh, uh, there's. You know, my dad is just one of many uh, uh, people who have had carried around this, this kind of uh, a secret. And, and um, I know he was relieved to, to let let it out. I know his, uh, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that he did before um, before the world. And, and, and I was happy that I, he told me. Um, it took me well over 30 years before, you know, he told me. Um, you know, I, I didn't know this until just recent. You know, that's the kind of man he was. He loved, he loved America, and he loved, uh, he loved. He was, he was a fighter pilot. He still is. He always will be a fighter pilot. First, he, yeah, he loved his planes and he loved flying. And um, you know, he's a remarkable man. And, and uh, you know, I, I, you know, I'm indebted to him for for all that he's given to me and. and uh, he's been a great role model and a great father.
1: Well, Jeffrey, uh, on behalf of the worldwide audience, I want to say thank you f- to you, to your father. Uh, thoughts and prayers are with all of you. And please keep in touch with us and let us know.
3: I will. Thank you so much. And have a wonderful day.
1: You too. Take care. Thank you. Right. Bye-bye. Because of Milton Torres, we have the chance to open more eyes and even change lives. I wanted to surprise him this December, during our two-year anniversary, and publicly thank him myself. He probably had no idea of the difference he made in so many. I am disappointed I didn't get the opportunity and still hope that he can recover and allow me the chance to thank him myself. Nonetheless, he will always be remembered. Fortunately, he was able to get such an important secret off his chest and if he passes, he will do so in peace. He was a brave man and a true patriot who put the country before himself and endured so much for so long. Milton, I dedicate the Veritas show to you, and the ripple effects will go on forever. Please keep Milton and his family in your thoughts and prayers. And have you seen the NBC TV series, The Event? I've had a lot of people compel me to watch it, so I have. And can't help but notice how this show is an in-your-face attempt at disclosure. They are planting disclosure with every episode. At least, that's my perception. And that of many. Hidden in plain sight. I decided to mention this because of this week's episode. That would be episode number six. Not only did they show alien technology dustifying a building. Was that a wink-wink about 9-11? But also, the main characters are confronted by a journalist who said the following. My name is Madeline Jackson. I'm a journalist. I used to be, till I saw the light that trying to speak the truth is a waste of time because nobody wants the truth, people don't want the truth God forbid, it would all go down in flames It's the lies that keep the construct going, don't you see? Spread by the vested interests in the government and the private sector and the churches and the stock exchanges all fabricating and spinning and telling stories that keep 300 million consumers happy and stupid and spending Why are you looking at me like I'm crazy? Just stop.
0: I'm not the deluded one. You are.
1: They... who? The, go, the government?
0: The government are scared little children compared to the forces that want this kept a secret. Do you understand?
1: According to David Wilcock, he said on his blog, I am fortunate enough to be able to call upon a series of insiders with high-level access to various secret projects for information. Once I had the time to sit down and make the calls I got detailed briefings from my top guys about what the heck is going on with the event and what it really means. One of them really surprised me by saying flatly, quote, I know for a fact that 60% of the budget for the event was funded by Uncle Sam, some aspect of the US government, probably the Pentagon. They've also funded the television show V as well as Battlestar Galactica. Those are the three I know for sure, unquote. What's the point, he asked. Why are they doing this? They're trying to tell the truth, he answered, with a bit of spin, of course. There is no better way to discredit whistleblower testimony than to display it as fiction before the whistle is ever blown. I highly recommend this show. It's on NBC on Monday nights. Just Google NBC The Event. And if you're in the United States... You can watch all the episodes right on their website. And here are some very positive news. You probably heard of a man, a genius, with the name of John Hutchison. I just received the following from my friend Cara Fay. Breaking historical news. John Hutchison's frequency experiment in the Gulf of Mexico lab results in. Chemist Bob Naiman, president of ACT Labs, provided us the attached report from the control sample taken at Perdido Bay last week. Test results completed today after the treated sample provided states control sample from October the 18th oil and grease equal 7 parts per million. Treated sample from October the 22nd oil and grease equals zero parts per million. The Gulf residents may finally have hope for turning their Gulf back and restore it to a healthy body as it once was. I have included the lab results and the entire report at our forum. Due to the lack of time, I can only read you this summary. John Hutchison, scientist from Vancouver, British Columbia, and Nancy Lazarian from Minnesota, sought to help those affected in the Gulf of Mexico by the oil spill disaster. Hutchison is world famous for his work with frequencies Lazarian can be described as intuitive. Samples of polluted Gulf water were sent to Hutchison's lab in Vancouver. Hutchison and Lazarian worked together to identify certain ancient harmonics that have been used for healing. These frequencies were applied both with audio and radio waves to the polluted water samples. Finding success in these limited experiments, Hutchison and Lazarian packed up the necessary lab equipment into a borrowed trailer and with a borrowed farm truck left canada to come to the gulf the chemical analysis for the first open-air frequencies experiment in perdido bay have shown the gulf water can be restored to health restored without the use of dispersants chemicals or burning restored by use of sulfagio tones also known as gregorian chants and a harmonic stream of sound hutchison and lazarian endeavored to bring the stream of sound to the damaged waters of the Gulf. One of the tones used by Hutchison, 528 Hertz, is the frequency of the planet Jupiter. You can see Jupiter in the night sky if you look for the bright light directly to the right of the moon. 528 Hertz is known by the ancients to be the healing frequency and to repair DNA. Hutchison and Lazarian are not asking for any money For the work that they are doing This is a gift We declare peace Says Lazarian The war upon the Gulf Is over Again To read the entire report And the lab results Go to our forum Now If only we could ask Harp To use the frequency Over the entire Gulf And while they're at it Use it Over the entire planet And if you need to get in touch with me Go to our website And click on the contact button and also join me on Facebook and in the words of dr. Richard Sauter about his new book the Richard Sauter briefing the world as you have known it is going away as surely as Dorothy's Kansas went away in the classic movie the Wizard of Oz the unsettling news is that you are about to be abruptly thrown into the deep end of the swimming pool without any advance notice or prior preparation on your part as you look around yourself With a rising sense of panic, you have somehow managed to stumble upon a little briefing book, and it will serve you as a sort of compass, a miniature life raft. By itself, it won't save you, and it's frankly not intended to do that, because in the end, the stark reality is that you have to save yourself, but it might just help you to make sense of what is happening, enough to get your mental bearings and straighten out your thinking, so that you can make more intelligent judgments that enhance your prospects for not just surviving, but possibly even flourishing in the midst of what is about to transpire on this world. Dr. Richard Souter is coming up next. This is Mel Fabregas, and you are listening to Veritas. you hear right here on The Veritas Show is supplied by the independent artists from gemendo.com. If you hear a song you like, go over to our homepage, VeryTestShow.com, click on the guest, look up the song, and download it. You can even buy the group's CDs, in many cases, right there at gemendo.com.
0: This is Professor John Searle, and you are listening to Veritas.
1: The Earth is standing at the edge of a dark precipice. On the other side is the greatest epic in mankind's history, waiting to be written, waiting for those of us who dare to take up the pen and to fight the darkness of the lies. An army of freedom writers who are as dedicated to defending life as the enemies of life are dedicated to ending it, can bring forth a new sustaining vision of life. Those are words from Pete Chamberlain from globalresearch.ca. And directly from San Antonio, Texas, I would like to welcome, for the second time on Veritas, activist, researcher, and author, Dr. Richard Souter. Hello, Richard, and welcome back. How are you?
2: Thank you, Mel. I'm doing great.
1: I'm really glad to have you on, Richard. A lot has happened since our last interview. We have read of what happened to you, but I think the listeners want to know from you. Give us a summary of what happened just a few days after our last interview.
2: On April 15th, or actually uh, before April 15th of this year, I traveled to North Dakota in the United States, and I personally went over the fence onto uh, a nuclear missile silo uh, near Minot Air Force Base, and there I registered in person a nonviolent, peaceful vote against preparations for nuclear war. I took a personal stand. I took a direct stand. I put my life, my safety, my well-being directly on the line. I went right to site of a planned genocidal crime, and essentially, um, I cast my own personal vote in a global referendum against war, against nuclear war, because, you see, the thing is, we've reached a point where it no longer accomplishes very much simply to write a letter to the editor of the daily newspaper, or even worse, to write a letter to, say, one's um, congressman or congresswoman on any issue. If you're going to have a personal impact, you need to take action within the sphere of your individual life. Direct personal action. You need to physically, concretely, personally do something. And if you want great change in the world, then you have to uh, display great, personal initiative you have to put something on the line it has to cost something you have to give something of yourself directly above just writing a check for ten dollars to a wildlife fund or to greenpeace or something like that you must put something on the line nothing ventured nothing gained you get what you pay for if you don't pay much if you don't put forth much you're not going to get much return on your investment because you're not investing much of yourself.
1: Tell us about your time in prison. What went through your mind?
2: Well, plenty of things went through my mind. First of all, I have to say that uh, the prison complex in this country is, is you know, filled to the seams and bursting. There are something on the order of 2 million uh, people or more incarcerated in this country, uh, primarily men, 90% men, mostly young men, and disproportionately, disproportionately um, ethnic and racial minorities in this country. That is to say, um, there's a preponderance of young black men, uh, Latino men, and also Native American men. The particular prison that I was in was a small one in North Dakota in in Rugby, the small town of Rugby, and uh, not too far from the Canadian border, by the way. Most of the prisoners that I was incarcerated with were Native American. There is a tremendous problem with gangs in our cities and in our rural counties and also on Native American reservations. And these gang gang members fall into crime of every description. Um, There's a tremendous problem with substance abuse in our culture, alcohol, various types of narcotics and other drugs. Uh, There's trafficking are crimes that are committed under the influence of these drugs. So I was incarcerated with a lot of men, mostly young men, mostly Native American men who had committed a wide range of crimes that span the gamut from... Uh, rape of young children, to uh, rape of, you know, um, women, beating of women, car theft, arson, um, bar room brawling, abuse of narcotics, uh, drug running, um, murder, uh, gang activity—you name it—and and they're in jail for it. There's a tremendous problem. There's a tremendous problem in so-called Indian country in North America, substance abuse, alcohol abuse, all kinds of criminal activity. The gangs, I mean, the Mexican mafia, the big city gangs, and so forth, have extended their tentacles right into the rural areas of the northern Plains states in South Dakota and North Dakota. We have a huge gang problem in this country. An issue in a lot of these gangs is that the price of membership is murder. You have to kill someone in order to join and be accepted. And so these gangs, whether it's MS-13, which is a Central American gang, that is also spreading its tentacles throughout cities and towns and and even rural areas all over the country, whether it's MS-13 or the Crips from Los Angeles or the uh, Mexican mafia that's coming up from Uh, South Texas and from California and from Mexico itself or the other Mexican cartels like the Zetas, uh, you name it. We have hyper-violent gangs that have already embedded themselves into the warp and the woof of this country
1: And let me just interject for a second. I I think a lot of those people should be in jail. However, if you compare the United States to other countries, we are the highest ones per capita in terms of our prison population. Why the discrepancy between the United States and and other countries?
2: Well, for one thing, we have a terrific organized crime problem here. And and there are really two factors. Um, I... You know, criminologists have debated these is- issues uh, literally for decades. One, one of the answers is, for whatever reason, we have an extremely violent society. And the violence disproportionately hits these um, sectors of society that I've been dis- uh, discussing. Um, it may not be politically correct to say it, but it's true. There's a galloping violent street uh, violence and street crime problem in the poor communities of our country and in uh, the black communities and the Latino communities and the Native American communities. I've seen this close up. I've been incarcerated with these guys. They're really violent. Now, at the same time, we have an economic order that is highly stratifi- stratified in terms of the way that it allocates um, access to material goods and to, um, you know, money. It was what it gets right down to. And so there's a real uh, dividing line between the haves and the have-nots, and it's sharply delineated and accentuated in our day. And in general, black people, Latinos, and Native Americans get a great deal less of the material goodies that our society has has to offer, and in this time, we're facing a great financial crisis that is making uh, this problem even more acute than it has been that has been in recent years and rec- decades. Decades. That's about it, isn't it, Mel? We're in the mother of all decades. But um, so you know, that's part of the answer. Uh, to the question that you're posing. And, and beyond that is the fact that so many things in our society have been deemed to be crimes. We have... Um, you go into any law library and look just look at the books on the shelves. There are so many aspects of human behavior uh, that have been deemed criminal that it's hard hard to go through life, whether you're Chinese, Caucasian, black, whatever, without breaking a whole slew of laws. Um, and, in fact, uh, it happens every day. So any of us, virtually, any day we leave our house or even don't leave our house, are subject to break a whole slew of laws unawares. So we have a, I don't know what you'd call it, we have a police state is what it gets down to. And one of the ways, uh, major ways the police state makes money is by locking people up. Um, and the longer they're locked up, the more uh, money the police state makes. You know, the, the growth of the prison industrial complex is a real uh, social problem.
1: Well, that's why I say the military industrial prison pharmaceutical complex. You have to add all those together.
2: Yes, you do. It's a many-headed hydra and I have three times gone over the uh, security fences onto nuclear missile silos. Back in the early 1980s, uh, I went onto nuclear missile silos in Arkansas and Missouri, and here later in life, uh, earlier this year, I went over the fence onto a nuclear missile silo in, in North Dakota. And really, in a sense, and I said this in my published statements and writings, uh, the nuclear missiles are the final... Uh, genocidal guarantor of this entire um, extremely oppressive and repressive society that we have. They finally are the weapons of last resort that prop up this entire um, what I would now characterize as a uh, f- huge federal open air federal penitentiary uh, recognizing the United States federal government is a a global criminal syndicate and operates as such. It is armed to the teeth. It's big and it's bad. And if you get in its way, uh, it will either throw you in jail or if push comes to shove, it will send B-52s to bomb the living bejeebers out of you. And if that doesn't work, there's always the threat of raining down um, nuclear fire on your head. That right. threat exists at any time.
1: What went through your mind and how long were you in jail?
2: Well, I was uh, jailed for 100 days. And all of these thoughts and more went through my mind while I was incarcerated. Um, the other th- one of the other things that went through my mind is that we, this society, have produced a lost generation of millions, if not tens of mil- millions, of young people who are not well-educated. Many of them have dropped out of school. Uh, by the millions, they have not even completed high school. So they're ignorant, they're well-educated, I'm sorry, not well-educated, they are either illiterate or semi-literate, many of them have never held a job of any sort, do not want to work in any productive sense, they're angry, they're violent, they lack social school, social skills, um, they are breeding in that they are producing children. These young men I was jailed with in many cases, cases had children whom they either don't see or will never see for years on end. So we now have a second generation of children, millions of them, who are growing up with a daddy in jail or in prison and or a mom who is in jail or in prison. And even when daddy is home, i.e. out of jail or out of prison, daddy and mommy don't work, they don't know how to work, they they don't want to work, they lack job skills, Uh, They are either semi-literate or illiterate. They're involved in the drug culture. They're involved with alcohol. So even when mommy and daddy are home, that's the type of home environment these children are experiencing. And mommy is getting slapped around by daddy. Or mommy is uh, dealing drugs in exchange for money uh, from men who will make mommy pregnant and she will have another kid who enters this cycle? And Mel, I am not exaggerating. We have raised a generation of millions of people just like this, and they are angry, and they are violent, and they they commit a lot of so-called street crime. And increasingly, more and more of them are involved in this um, violent gang culture, which is prevalent in our society.
1: I'm not. Innocent. No, it's not. A, it's it, it's not only. The children who are victim of of, of this uh, parents who commit crimes, etc., who are born into this vicious cycle again. But even even those children who become teenagers and now go to college are known. And, and, and let me quote a uh, let me quote a phrase from uh, Gordon Gecko from the new movie Wall Street Never Sleeps. Money never sleeps. Where he says that this is the ninja population. These kids have no income, no job and no assets. So even those who get prepared, and some of them even take uh, thousands of dollars in student loans and realize that they can't get a job. But, Richard, some people talk. You act. I'm not endorsing any trespassing or illegal acts, but you exercise a conspicuous vote against nuclear weapons by doing what you did. Is that the statement you wanted to make?
2: Oh, well, absolutely. Uh, that's one of several statements I'm, I wanted to make, but that's very high on the list right up at the top. We are, among other things, a passive society. Uh, We think it's enough when there are problems to just sit down at our computer keyboard and write a blog entry on our blog or to Twitter and tweet our friends or to walk around with our cell phone glued to our ear, constantly yammering into it and discussing the world's problems with one and all, um, my statement was that's not enough. That is nowhere near enough. We are we are facing as a species, as a nation, enormous problems, uh, potentially uh, life-ending or planet-ending problems. And high at the top of the list is this issue of nuclear war, which could literally blow up into our faces any day or even more so any minute. These weapons are there. They are ready to go. We live in a a century, in a decade, more to the point, in a year of extraordinarily intense international pressure. This country is fighting wars right now in Iraq and in Afghanistan. We have begun bombing and fighting in Pakistan. In recent months, the United States military has also bombed in Somalia and in Yemen. And there are constant threats to go to war against Iran. The the military machine of this country is poised to just bomb the living daylights out of Iran uh, virtually any week or month now. And if that happens, uh, there is a greater than zero chance that such a conflict could become nuclear for a variety of reasons. I'm aware of this. Strategic military planners all around the world are aware of this, and I promise you they are preparing for this type of eventuality, and that is why the nuclear missiles exist, for just that type of contingency. I know all of that. I'm not blind to it. I'm not in denial about it, but the vast majority of people in this society are. And I'm saying that to keep bad things from happening you, the individual, who are, all the individuals who are listening to this broadcast must do something about it. Um, I forget who made the famous statement, all that's necessary for evil to uh, succeed is for good men to do nothing. Maybe it was Winston Churchill or someone like that. Um, but that's true. Uh, if you don't want bad things to happen, guess what? You personally must perform heroic deeds, you individually, and also on must Because if you and me and all of us don't do these things, then bad things absolutely can and will happen. That's how they happen. So if you don't want nuclear war to happen, uh, you need to do far more than just to write a blog entry. And in fact, most people are not even writing going so far as to write blog entries on this issue. To the contrary, every April 15th, most people are sending in a check uh, for hundreds or even thousands of dollars or in some cases tens of thousands of dollars or more to the IRS. And guess what, Mel? The federal government uses that money to make nuclear missiles. So when and if nuclear war should occur, God forbid anyone who has sent IRS money to the IRS to say, well, how could this awful thing happen? I had no idea. If only I'd known I would have done something. Guess what? You already did do something. You sent money to the federal government and they used your money to make nuclear missiles. And if nuclear war happens, don't ask how it happened because it will happen with your money. It will happen because you were silent. It it will happen because you didn't speak out. It will happen because when you had the opportunity You personally didn't go over the fence on a a nuclear missile silo and say, hell no, not in my lifetime, not in my country, not on my watch, there will not be nuclear war because I am putting my life on on the line. So I am personally voting no with my life, with my body. Hell no, no nuclear war on my watch. If you haven't done that, then if the mushroom clouds billow, don't wonder how it happened. That's how it happened. You did nothing. You, in essence, were the good German who, after, as the ashes were cooling after the, uh, the end of hostilities in World War II, said, I had no, no idea my, my government was doing all these evil things. Of course you knew. You sent in the money. You just rolled over and ignored the screams in the night. So I'm not buying this anymore, this passivity from the American people you don't want bad things to happen there are two things you got to do stop sending to the IRS stop sending money to the IRS you know what they're doing with that money you know what kind of god awful hell machine the pentagon has unleashed on the world and is preparing to unleash in the form of these nuclear weapons if you don't want that to happen stop writing checks to them
1: that's and that's one. what we try we want to convey during this show is that it's a, it's a thing to sit behind a keyboard and write all your solutions. But doing something is what matters. And folks, you know that I don't have guests come on the show that frequently, or a repeated guest. But a few days ago, Richard got in touch with me. We were talking about November. You probably have heard a lot about the dates of November the 8th through the 11th. I'm not a person who likes to talk about dates. But So many people are talking about these states. So many things are happening. There's so fluid The Richard told me in a couple of weeks, I probably will be going to the Southern Hemisphere to a country perhaps in South America. So he got in touch with me and we talked about solutions because I want to make this not a doom and gloom show, but we have to talk about facts and we have to talk about what we can do to make things better. Next week, if all goes well, we'll have Khalifa High on the show again, as he says, if the universe allows. But what you were saying about saying no to nuclear weapons, it's sad to see that it's only one person, Richard Sauter, doing this for us and showing what we could do to effect the change. If most people would, I, again, I just don't, don't want to condone trespassing, but if people would act more appropriately about these things, perhaps Real change would happen. You have a new book I would call The Richard Souter Briefing. When did you write it and why?
2: Well, you know, I wrote it over this past winter. I started in late fall and finished it uh, just in late winter. Um, I did not plan to write the book. Actually, this was in an accidental book that was not on my mental uh, horizon or radar whatsoever. However, um, I was approached by a German publisher with the idea for this book, and he felt like I was the ideal person uh, to write this book, which is not a, not a large book. It's um, short and succinct and to the point. And I don't beat around the bush in it. However, he approached me about writing it, and, and um, I reflected on it for a couple of days, and then I, I told him, you know what, I'll do it. So it came out, actually, first in German. I wrote the book in in English, but the first edition was in German, and then the second edition is in English. And essentially, the Richard Sauter briefing uh, conveys the idea that we, the human race, and the people in the United States have been massively lied to. Mel, I mean, we have been unbelievably lied to. The lies are just... um, Astonishing in this scope. The average person doesn't get it because the lies are so massive, so deep, and so pervasive that we are born into the lies. It's as if, you know, um, in, the natri- in the Matrix film, when the character Morpheus says to Neo, and I'm presuming many, perhaps most of your listeners will have seen this movie or, or at least sure. familiar with it. When Morpheus says to Neo near the beginning of the film, words to the effect of uh, the reality, Neo, is that you were born into bondage. You were born into slavery. And everything you think you know is false. All of it is a lie. So that's the departure point, to admit that you know nothing. And what you do think you know is a lie. And I sort of take that as a departure point for the book. And I go through A list of kind of a grocery list of some of the major huge lies that we we have been handed uh, since birth, which most of us swallow hook, line, and sinker, because it is presented to us as all that is, when in reality it is for the most part all that isn't. And then at the end of the book, I come down to um, the realization that well at the end of all of this um, so-called doom and gloom, what to do. And, the-
1: and we'll get there. We'll we'll, we'll get the, to the, the, the last part of the show, but I, yeah. I really want to summarize some of the chapters, go in a chronological order, because I think it's important for people to, to get a, a taste of it. It's, uh, as I told you this morning, the book is easy to read, compact, direct, heart-hitting. It, it's really very powerful. You know,
2: you know, it's designed like that now. It's designed like that because during the course of my life, I, I have an insatiable intellectual curiosity. I want to find out things. Um, I want to dig. I want to understand. And so I've done that uh, to a great, far greater degree than an than average person, I believe. And I have discovered answers to some of the big questions I had. So what I've done in this book is distill it all down. The average person doesn't have to spend 20 or 30 years digging like I did, reading, 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 literally wandering the country and a good part of the Earth's surface, looking for answers, talking to people, researching in archives, um, spending hours and hours in in conversation and and rooting around uh, for solutions. You don't have to do a lot of the things I've done. I've done it for you. What you do have to do is read my results. I boil it all down to a fairly short little book. It's less than 100 pages, so you don't have to read, you know, War and Peace or slog your way through, uh, you know, a, a 19th century Russian novel that's going to take you uh, eight days to read by the fireside. You can get right down to it and learn a great deal in a in a compact from a compact source. And there's great value in that because events are happening so fast these days it's highly desirable in fact it's imperative that large m- numbers of people come up to speak so to speak and grok the, the world situation or at least a big chunk of it and have an aha moment when m- maybe even five or 10 aha moments and then, and then having had the aha movements, aha movements and moments say to themselves and to others oh, all right then now what do we do about it and I provide a solution a solution which in my view is virtually the only sane solution that we have if we are to move on onto to and into a saner and wiser world
1: and, and that's the thing uh, most of our listeners you and I we have a an overly developed sense of wonder we want to know what we have not been told growing up. And it really resonated with me because when I do a show, I choose someone who can shed light and give us a piece of the puzzle every time. First, I always say that the reality we live in is simply an illusion driven by the powers that be or the powers that want to be to make us believe what they want us to believe. Do you subscribe to that point of view too?
2: Oh, absolutely. We live in a world of tremendous uh Illusion and delusion. There is no end to the scams, schemes, and mind control programs and projects that are being carried out on this planet. Um, For the most part, out of sight, sight, out of mind. And this has been going on for unknown thousands of years, not just years or decades or centuries, but literally for millennia. I I would, from everything I've read and seen and been told and discovered, at least back to the time of ancient Egypt, uh, Sumeria, Babylon, and most likely even back beyond that point to Atlantean times and maybe even earlier. In other words, for a very, very long time, the human race on this planet has been under some kind of amnesiac mind control uh, all encompassing mind control program or project to keep us enslaved I don't know where this ultimately originated and how and why I can only tell you that that's the case and it is multifaceted it extends it's it's like an octopus that has us uh, it's strangling us in, in its tentacles it's like a the mother of all uh, boa constrictors that has itself uh, wrapped around our minds and souls and are just squeezing our life juices out of us. Um, Where to begin and where to end? We could talk about organized religion and also disorganized religion as far as that goes, but whether you're talking about the Roman Catholic Church, um, uh, Islam, Judaism, these... Uh, mega churches we see uh, down south. Think about poor Bishop Eddie Long and his tens of thousands of mind-controlled parishioners down there in Atlanta or on and on. So from the standpoint of organized religion, the the mind-control scheme is, is is ferocious. People who are born into uh, these religions are taught as, as babies. You're evil. You're bad. Uh, You were born into sin, you'll die in sin, you're going to shrivel and burn to a crisp in hell forever and ever unless you do what we say in this here church or religion that we have. Here's your way out. You just listen to this imam, or this priest or to this rabbi or to this bishop or to this preacher and he'll set you straight as long as you do everything that he says and everything that's in this book that we give you which is called the Torah, or the Pentateuch, or the Bible, or the Koran, or whatever. Uh, But you have to do all of it. You have to be real careful, because if you slip up, you're going to be goddamn to hell. So watch out, and you just mind your P's and Q's.
1: It's It's eternal salvation or damnation. But I have more to talk about the religious part. But many people live in fear saying that, uh, oh, by the way, I don't know if you heard today in the news, but the Southern Baptist Church was saying that people should not do yoga because it's not the pathway to God. But anyway, many people live in fear, saying that an apocalyptic event will happen soon. What about people in Iraq who see a cluster bomb taking out most of their families? Hasn't the apocalypse started for them?
2: You know, it already has. And in fact, um, so much of... Uh, religion is tied up with um, denominating other people of other religions as evil. And Christians are certainly prone to that. We have seen since the 2011 attacks uh, in this country a demonization of Islam and Muslim culture and Arab societies uh, across the board. And this is at a fundamental level, part of the unspoken rationalization for us just bombing the living daylights out of these other countries. And it's justified in many people's minds uh, by the thought that, well, they're just those, you know, those backward Arabs or those heathen Muslims. So we're really entitled in doing that because they hate us anyway, because we're Christian. And That is a big part of the mind control program. I've actually known people and had discussions with people um, in this country. Uh, I remember two women in particular with whom I had conversations within the last 10 years. One woman who was a church-going Christian woman uh, told me that, in her opinion, the United States should just um, attack Afghanistan with nuclear weapons and turn the whole country into a puddle of green glass. Those are her words. Um, I I had a similar conversation with another woman, also a so-called Christian lady. Um, So if this is what uh, Christian women in the United States are saying and have been saying in recent years, you can see how deep down this mind control probe, this anti-Muslim, anti-Arab anti-Christian mind control program has worked. It is evil, it is vile, it is vicious, and now we have to be honest, it's there. And our society is acting it out as we speak. Our predator drones are targeting uh, flesh-and-blood human beings in Afghanistan, in Pakistan. As we speak, we have uh, hundreds of thousands of our young people in other countries, in Central Asia, and in the Middle East engaged in, in blowing away our fellow human beings. This is a karmic issue for us that we are so mind-controlled that as a society, we fork over money for this. We send our children to do these things. And when they come back, we call our children heroes for blowing our fellow human beings to smithereens. There's some, something really wrong with us at a fundamental level that we do this and call these things good and noble and heroic. What's heroic about slaughtering people?
1: No, no. And you say, quote, one of the great ironies of our time is that the same American regime that constantly lectures the rest of the world about freedom and democracy has effectively unleashed the Pentagon on the world as a rogue mercenary force, eviscerated the American Constitution, made torture an instrument of policy, and has created an anti-civil liberties Frankenstein's monster in the form of the new sprawling bureaucracy of the Department of Homeland Security, unquote. Tell us more, and it seems to me that George Orwell may not have been writing science fiction at all.
2: No, and in fact, um, it may be that the regime that is now clamping down on the world, in the United States, oh, in Europe, and in other countries as well, far exceeds what George Orwell had in mind because the technology is uh, more sophisticated and powerful today than it was decades ago when he published um, his writings. So, sad to say, um, I think 1984 has come and we were already in 1984, so to speak, when, when 1984 was here and now we are uh, a quarter of a century beyond 1984, and it's even worse. Um, I don't know where this will stop, but I know that it won't stop unless and until we, the individual human beings listening to this program, and, and more, until we, individual human beings, say, no, you know, I don't agree with this. I don't approve of it. Not only do I not like where it's trending, I don't like where it has already arrived, And I want to roll back the clock. I want to live free. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to use my voice. I'm going to use my legs. I'm going to stand up, and I'm going to register a a personal vote. I'm going to do something. I'm not just going to talk. I'm going to walk my walk. You know, talk is cheap, Mel. It is so cheap. And we've had enough of it. I really think... um, that the 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 time for blogging is over and the time for direct action has arrived. Um, I've been saying in my recent interviews, you know, it's time if you're a man to man up or if you're a woman to woman up. If not, then, you know, prepare to be a slave, accept your chains. You know, years ago, slaves used to run away. The ones who wanted to be free would just run away in the middle of the night. And, and it comes down to that. If you want to be free, you have to do something. Otherwise, you, you just accept the, the slave chains, accept your slavery. Um, if you're not prepared to stand up and do something, don't complain. Talk is cheap. you know. Don't tell me what you're going to do. Show me what you're going to do. I want to see what you can do. We, you know, we have so many people out there in the blogosphere on the Internet. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. Blah, 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 and blah, blah. you understand what I'm saying, Mel?
0: Of
1: course. But you say, Richard, quote, the Pentagon has been unleashed as a mercenary force in the service of great evil to violently subjugate the human race to a planet-wide totalitarian control, unquote. Is the Pentagon the elite attack dog, Richard?
2: It's one of the elite cat dogs. It's perhaps uh, the the biggest um, military attack dog the world has seen. It is certainly armed to the teeth. And during my lifetime, we have, uh, we meaning the United States government, um, the USA government has not attacked country after country after country after country, Uh, whether it's been in Central America or Africa or, you know, uh, the Middle East or you name it. it. all over the planet, again and again and again and again. It never ends. That is the agenda, to force these countries, one after the other, into the orbit of control by the powers that be. And the ones that resist, they send in the B-52s and they carpet bomb. They land the Marines. But there are other t- attack dogs. Now we have these mercenary companies like Blackwater, which changed its name to to Z, or however you pronounce it, X-E, yeah. capital X lowercase e, and and there are others like it. I don't even know the names of all these uh, corporations and mercenary outfits, but they work closely with the the Pentagon. The CIA is another attack dog for the powers that be. Of course, NATO is an attack dog for the powers that be, and and on and on, but clearly their agenda is death, destruction, and social control, and clamping down uh, a very oppressive exploitive, economic order on as much of the human race as possible. And that's absolutely the trend of history during my lifetime for the last 50 years, and it has never let up. It continues right to the present day. And what has changed in recent years over the last decade or so is that with the attack of 9-11, you see the war has been brought home to the United States. People in this country always had the feeling or the impression that, uh, well, it's others, you see. We'll do unto them. It never is done unto us, but we do unto others. We bomb the living daylights out of Vietnam. We we send the CIA with a mercenary army to attack Nicaragua. Uh, We send the Marines uh, into, uh, you know, Iraq or Afghanistan. We bomb You know, we overthrow a government in Nicaragua or or, uh, Dominica or
1: Chile, Panama, Chile.
2: Chile. We bomb Panama. We invade Panama City. Uh, We we kidnap the president of Panama, Manuel Noriega, and we imprison him in, in a federal prison in Miami, et cetera, et cetera. So we do it to these other countries. But it doesn't get done to us because, after all, we're us. We're number one, USA, USA, USA. Except, guess what? The war came home to the United States in 2001 on September 11th, and what? About? I'd say I'd say a good half of the United States population now understands that the so-called uh, terror attacks on 9/11 were actually carried out by the powers that be using um, several different uh, federal government agencies, and it looks like there was some involvement
1: by the Israelis. But, but hold on. I don't want to discuss the, the 9-11 part because that's, that's a little bit ahead uh, okay. of the book, and I want to go in a chronological... The go war, ahead.
2: The war uh, is, has now been turned against the people of this country, and it's, it's economic, you see. The, the economy is being taken down fast and hard and the average person still hasn't understood who's doing it to them and why because the mind control meme is so deep in this country we are number 1 we do unto others it is it is never done unto us because mm-hmm. we are superior and that was useful to the powers that be for for such a long period of time and it was drilled into our heads it was drilled into the heads of little children in this country in a thousand different ways we are better than others we're more powerful than others we're more intelligent than others we're we're more wealthy than others we have more money than others we're better organized than others we do things better than other people do in every way or way we're just better we're superior so that's been the mind control program in this country for really for the past couple of centuries
1: what I find more than pathetic, I find it sad that we believe we live in freedom. All the monitoring, the tracking, the surveillance, and control of individual humans uh, increase by the day. How can we call this freedom? Isn't this the pure definition of tyranny?
2: Well, well it is, and it's the ultimate uh, form of mind control to I have a population that believes they are uniquely free when the reality is the polar opposite, 180 degrees the opposite that not only are people in this country not uniquely free, they are uniquely enslaved in a hundred ways that the majority of them don't even begin to comprehend. So the mind control program in this country is nearly uh, complete. Uh, There has never been a, a population so shackled, so enslaved as this one, who nevertheless believes... Uh, that they are free. You know, the the German philosopher... um, uh, Von Goethe? uh, Yeah, yes. Wolfgang von von Goethe. um, Yes. About approximately 200 years ago um, made the statement, um, and I'm paraphrasing from the German, that um, something along the lines of...
1: No one is more hopelessly enslaved than the one who falsely believes himself to be free
2: that's it in a nutshell um and he looked around at his society of two centuries ago and you know uh, uh, of he looked around at 18th century european society and uh came up with that thought he i mean he just looked around and thought to himself my god here we have all these people thinking that they're they're literate and they're reading books and that they're living in an advanced society no no just a bunch of slaves walking around thinking they're free, and that's very much part of the mind control program today. So the powers that be from their point of view live in the best of all possible worlds. They have a huge a huge docile slave population that believes itself to be free
1: and it's that's the case with the majority of the population, whether we want to believe that or not. But you say, quote, you will certainly not be getting a wake-up call from the government, so consider this your alert, unquote. This basically describes, Richard, what this show is all about. Those who choose to listen will always be ahead of the game. Those who choose to read your books will be ahead of the game. However, there is a problem, Richard. When you are ahead, awake, and aware, it makes you a target. All of a sudden, you are not part of the herd. How can you move forward when most of the time, those of us who think outside the box are facing not only the elite, but the mind control zombies, our fellow human beings, who follow their programming.
2: You catch it from both directions, and you may even catch it from people in your own family. Or you will, as a matter of fact. Uh, sure. Or on the job, or, or from friends and associates, maybe neighbors or people in your neighborhood. Here's what you have to do. You have to cultivate a f- fearless attitude. Um in a certain sense you have to have a little bit of a thick skin. You have to have a firm sense of self. You know, if you're going if you recognize that all around you are slaves and face it in many cases, very smugly self satisfied slaves who revel in their slavery. In fact they embrace it, they love it. They will, they, they will show you their chains. They will dangle your cha- their chains in front of you and say, see how lovely? Look how it glitters. Isn't it beautiful? <laughs> You're faced with that. It's mind-boggling. And so what do you do in the face of that? Take heart. Um, you have to have a bit of personal gumption and courage. You have to have a strong sense of self. And you also have to look around you for others with whom you can find common calls. Uh, Not to commiserate with them and to cry, but to network with them and to communicate with them. And you see that that's an essential difference. So you want to maintain a positive orientation and keep your focus on what you can do individually and in concert with others whom you identify uh, in your immediate sphere and even further afield with whom you can network and cooperate and band together because there's a change of polarity that occurs as you learn and as your knowledge base increases, as your level of understanding expands, um, it actually tends to change the polarity of your life. Uh, your mind changes, your vision changes. I mean literally you start to see things that you didn't use to. You start to pay attention to things that uh, you were just oblivious to in the past. And in so many ways, life um, your life, uh, your life um, changes direction. You begin to notice people and ideas that you didn't notice before. There's a polarity change. You're attracted to people situations and information that you weren't in the past. And that in itself uh, has a type of leavening effect in the broader society and even in um, the social sphere or circle in which you move.
1: And, and this topic of mind control is so important. We've done a few shows on, on mind control with the likes of uh, Doctors Rowney Kilde from, from Finland, who lives in Norway. Yeah. Hello, Rowney. She listens to the show. Uh, Nick, Dr. Nick Begich. We are flooded with mind control. And as you said, some people just uh, continue walking like zombies. But we are flooded with mind control via many means. Electronic, audio, chemical, pharmaceutical, social, political, religious, educational, mass advertising, hypnotic, and neurolinguistic. These are weapons, Richard. How can we dodge All these, quote-unquote, bullets that are being fired upon us all the time.
2: Well, part of it, just in learning and and increasing your knowledge base, um, you begin to protect yourself. Awareness and knowledge themselves are um, a form of protection. The the arrow analogy is very good. If you see someone uh, taking an arrow out of a sheath and fitting it to a bow, And then aiming the arrow at you, you have the good sense to duck out of the way and don't stand there and let yourself be shot through the heart by an arrow. So that in itself will protect you. So if you know that there are chemicals in the food that affect your your mind, your brain, your thinking process, then you should avoid chemicalized food. Um, If you know that cell phones have a damaging effect on your brain, then you should minimize your use of cell phones. Um, if you understand uh, how organized religion preys on on uh, fear and, and uses it to control people socially, then you might want to rethink your relationship, if any, with organized religion. Uh, if you know that government spokespersons are spouting propaganda regularly designed to instill ignorance and fear in the population, then you know to avoid uh, the pronouncements of government propaganda uh, mouthpieces. And if you do encounter government propaganda, you know to treat it with a grain of salt and and so on and so forth. So just increasing your knowledge base and understanding the ways in which you are uh, potentially mind-controlled gives you the ability to increasingly avoid the ways in which the powers that be seek to control your mind and the minds of others.
1: And here's a term that we're seeing a lot lately. pro or COIN, uh, counterintelligence. Please define this more.
2: Counterintelligence programs are carried out by agencies, police and espionage agencies, such as the FBI, or Department of Homeland Security, or the CIA, or the NSA. COINTEL, uh programs Uh, do at least a couple of different things. Um, Number one, they actively inject disinformation and propaganda into the uh, news cycle uh, or into uh, just into society at a very basic level in order to create um, false consciousness in the target population and make them believe falsehoods are true or make them believe false things about individual persons or about uh, groups that the government or, or um, military organizations, espionage organizations or um, news organizations or large corporations may want to demonize in the public eye. And that could run the gamut. The, someone who is truthful, truthful could be accused of being dishonest. Someone who is a, a peaceful, nonviolent person could be accused of being violent or could be framed or um, set up and accused of of committing a violent deed, for example. Now, COINTO programs can also, uh, in some cases, uh, plant false evidence. Um, They could create a situation in which an individual or a group of individuals are wrongly accused of crimes that they have not committed. And these tactics have been used over and over again over the years for decades in the United States and in other, other countries. co programs will uh, plant false evidence or they will target a group. For example, uh, last week there were dozens of, of, of peace activists in Chicago and in Minneapolis here in the United States who had their doors smashed down by the FBI and the FBI came in and ransacked their houses and apartments, uh, confiscated their passports, issued um, subpoenas to testify before uh, grand jury investigations on uh, terror, so-called terror or anti-terror investigations. Uh, Their papers were rifled through and taken um, and so forth. Now, this is part of a uh, COINTEL operation, too, to accuse individuals in society who are actually uh, actively organizing for and working for peace of being involved with terror. Do you see how this turns the tables and plants in the public eye on the part of federal law enforcement, that, the idea that those who are working for peace are fact,ively organizing for terror? Domestic
0: terrorists, classic. yeah.
2: Yeah, and so these are the headlines. And, this, and, and in this way, um, last week you had implanted in the minds of millions of people that people who were organizing for peace were in fact or, organizing for terror. So these are, are really the diabolical ways in which um, the government, police organizations uh, such as the FBI and others will use a COINTEL so-called counterintelligence program um, to really Carry out uh, criminal activity uh, against people who are, oftentimes, the least criminal elements of society.
1: And we all because remember, and we all remember uh, President Bush during 9/11. You were either with us, or you are with the terrorists. That was a, a mind control mechanism there. But I think back to 9/11. It is. Was that a global exercise in mass mind control to push forward an agenda?
2: It was a classic mind control um, activity or program. Those who have studied some uh, psychology, and even those who haven't, will have heard of Pavlov's dog. Sure. Uh, The the very famous um, Russian um, psychologist from about 100 years ago now, I think he did his famous experiments, where he discovered that when he fed dogs in his laboratory, they salivated. And it got to the point where um, if he rang a bell or gave them some other sensory stimulus, when he fed them, they came to associate that stimulus with being fed. So after after a while, he didn't even have to give them any food. He would simply ring the bell and they would start salivating eagerly because they associated bell bell ringing with dinner time. Psychologists understand this very well. And certainly people who operate the world's military and espionage agencies understand this too. And they have come to know that if you uh, commit a horrific deed, that people will be conditioned. You can condition a target population with um, traumatic violence. And they know that once you've done that, in the future you don't need to, to necessarily repeat that traumatic violence. All you need to do is remind the target population of via a stimulus that, that they associate with the traumatic violence in order to maintain their high fear level and make them manipulable politically and socially. And this is what happened with the 9-11 attacks. The attacks occurred and this image of the planes, these huge jet planes flying into the towers in lower Manhattan was played again and again and again on television globally to the point where people came to associate the feeling of terror and horror and fear and panic and vulnerable helplessness with the image of these planes slamming into these towers and thousands of people being killed as the towers subsequently collapsed an hour or two later. So at this point, um, horrific terror attacks don't actually need to be carried out anymore for the target population, which is to say most of the world, uh, most of humanity on this planet to be terrorized. It suffices at this point for the powers that be. Simply to replay these images or simply to mention the 9-11 attacks or the threat that similar attacks could occur again for large sectors of the global population to replay the scenario in their minds and then in their emotions and to be aroused anew into a panic state or a sense of fear or a sense of, uh, you know, foreboding that something like this could happen again, Im- or there's an imminent possibility that a- attacks of this sort could happen. And so we see.
1: But are you, are you saying that Pavlov's uh, tinkling bell, the equivalent of that now is the ubiquitous uh, terror alerts and colors, and the uh, salivating in us would be living in fear, Manipulable politically and socially? Is that what it is? That's
2: the direct analogy that I'm drawing, and this is exactly what has been done. Uh, the, the people who run the agencies like the CIA, the Mossad, MI5 and MI6 in Great Britain, the Pentagon, of course, uh, the CIA, all of this, the FBI, they're very well aware of this. And they're absolutely playing on our fears and preying on our fears, using this Pavlovian uh, psychological dynamic. It is absolutely known to them, and that is precisely what they're doing. And guess what? Most people in this society salivate on cue. Their knees shake on cue. It suffices, it but suffices for the government or these agency, agencies to say, you know, there's a, a, a Code 5 terror alert this weekend. Uh, there may be... There may be a threat of an airport bombing or a train station may be bombed. And you know what? On that basis alone, millions of people become fearful and become panic-stricken and absolutely buy into this social control mechanism, this terror control, this Patriot Act control mechanism. They they buy into it. They willingly line up at the airport. They take off their belts. They take off their shoes. They are scanned. They they empty their pockets, they open their briefcases, they hand over their computers to be searched and on and on. We have been conditioned like Pavlov's dogs.
1: And isn't it the same mind control used in schools? We hear the noisy bell, we stand up or sit down, change classroom or eat?
2: You know, know, that's really interesting. And as I was writing this book, I was reflecting on that. The fact that I came through the American public school system, I'm sure like probably the majority of people listening to this program, and, you know, this clanging of the bells. The bells ring uh, when your homeroom period ends, when it begins. They ring when you're to go to gym, when you, when your gym period ends. They ring when you are to go to lunch. They ring when lunch period is over. They ring when you're to go to one class. They ring when you're to be in your class. And you know what? If you're not in when the bell rings, uh, you can be published, and frequently you are published. Uh, if you're out of the place where you're supposed to be when the bell rings, the school system has a uh, punishment in store for you, and, and something right. will happen. Someone will notice. You'll be cracked down on. So from the age of five or six on, most people in the United States are trained to perform on cue upon the ringing of this bell. It is absolutely Pavlovian conditioning up, down, and sideways, and it is drilled into our heads for year after year after year. This ringing of the bells is deep into our heads as 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 Americans, and it starts as a young age when we are small children. And not only that, think of it in terms of Christianity, the Catholic Church. For centuries, it's been clanging its bells at Mass time. You go to Mass, you go to Mass, you listen to the priest, and, and, and this has been part and parcel of the um, mind control program and the behavior control program of the Catholic Church. So it's not only public school, but it's church as well. Now is the time you come, you come to Mass, you come to the church, you listen to the priest, you do what he says, Deep into our mind and into our hearts and souls, this splinter, the ringing of the bells. Edgar Allan Poe wrote a poem about this. The bells, the bells, the bells, the ringing of the bells, the bells, the bells. He knew about it already, you know, a hundred years ago.
1: Submit to the teachings of the Church, or be forever damned. Eternal reward or damnation. And that's in pretty much all religion. And when we come back from our break... I want to ask you if there's a relationship between religion, political, and military authority. But folks, I have to tell you, you have to buy Richard's book, The Richard Sauter Briefing. This and all his publications. Not only because they are well-researched and well-written, but as we can see, we are witnesses here of what he went through trying to prove a point. There are those who write books and say things, and there are those who write books and do things. Richer is the latter. And when we come back, we just are scratching the surface here. Just, you just listen to the tip of the iceberg. We have the remaining part of the show. We're going to go into already stool mind control the shadow government, economic enslavement, 9 11, the mother of all false flags, secret underground bases, which uh, Richard is an expert on, the Amer- America's secret space program, the crack in the UFO NET cover up the hidden history of Earth, the coming Earth changes, and more important than anything else, positive suggestions of what we can do during these dire times. Richard, how do we get in touch with you, your work, how do we get this book and all the others?
2: Well, of course, uh, you can get my books at Amazon.com, both the Richard Stouter briefing and uh, Hidden in Plain Sight, Beyond the X-Files, as well as my uh, some of my earlier books uh, at keyholepublishing.com and um, there are several pages on that website uh, devoted to me and my work keyholepublishing.com you go there and look around, you'll find uh, me and my books you can also go to amazon.com
1: and you have no idea what a pleasure it is to have you free well somewhat free, we are all somewhat free, not fully free if you know what I mean Dr. Richard Sauter here with us, this is Mel Fabregas you're listening to the Very Test Show, don't go anywhere. Thank you very much for listening. We're gonna talk more with Dr. Richard Souter in our members section. Two more hours coming, commercial free. Dr. Souter has given us a bonus hour because there are too many important topics to discuss. And I hope you join us in the members section. Just head on over to our website, veritas show.com, and click on subscribe. If you thought the first segment was informative, wait until you listen to the following two hours of segment two we'll take a short break listen to some music and we'll be right back with more
2: Anthony Sanchez, and you're
3: listening to Veritas Radio.